Today's scripture is from Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 through 33. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Thank you, Terry. How are we doing this morning, church? I'm great. Someone always asks, keep it up. One day I won't be great and you'll, you'll be worried. This month we've been looking at some different teachings of Jesus concerning the sheep and the wolves. The typical vision of a wolf, at least in literature, is, is this cunning, crafty antagonist, right, who's out, out, to, get the main, out to get the main character. A sheep then, I, I think, are typically understood to be helpless and weak and lost. Somehow, I feel that sheep are always lost in stories. And one of the most crucial moments when, Jews, uh, crucial mo- moments when Jesus uses this imagery is when he's preparing to send his disciples out to share the news about the kingdom, that Jesus is here and that the kingdom of the Lord is coming. He refers to his people as sheep sent out among wolves. Now, I think there are a couple reasons why Jesus uses this illustration that they're sent out as sheep among, among wolves. One is, is that sheep and, and wolves, that, that relationship is, is pretty universally understood across history. As, as we talked about several weeks ago, humans have been writing poems and tales about wolves and uh, sheep for almost 3,000 years, if not longer. But the second reason I think, G- I think Jesus uses this imagery is that Jesus, too, sees himself sent out as a sheep, as a lamb of God sent to a herd of wolves. And he faced very real threats because who he claimed to be and who we believe he, he is. And we, too, will encounter the same type of opposition because we are sheep sent among the wolves. And if we're called to be sheep, and if we know there are wolves out there, then what does that mean for our lives? And that's what we've been looking at uh, uh, over the past few weeks. At the beginning of the month, we talked about the big bad wolf, the wolves who are going door to door, who are, are yelling, and who are loud, and who are out in the open. These wolves are easy to see, and it seems like these days you'll usually find those types of wolves online. Last week, Robin shared some insight about a different kind of wolf. That's the wolf in sheep's clothing. It's the wolf who isn't just lurking, who isn't just hiding, but he's also lying about his intentions. And in Robin's message last week, he pointed out two things that I think are really important for our message this morning about how we should understand us being sheep. The first was 
The message to the sheep is you need to beware of what's out there. It is a scary, a scary message. But the second thing, and probably more important, is that the message isn't just, hey, look out. Look out for the wolves. But it's that the sheep need to know how to walk wisely with their shepherd. We aren't just talking about these threats so that we can look around at the people around us and say, is, is he a wolf? Is she a wolf? Who, who, should I, who should I be worried about? But instead, we are acknowledging that even though there are threats out there, we must know how to remain in Christ. If you missed his message last week, I, I would encourage you to go back and listen. So if we're sheep, if we are sheep and we're on board that there's wolves out there, what does that mean for us today? How, how do sheep need to behave? Let's pick back up in Matthew chapter 10, where we uh, end this month. Jesus continues with his instruction to the sheep who are, are being sent out among the wolves. These are his disciples who are, are taking his message. And here's what Jesus says in, in, uh, uh, in verse 26. So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say it in the light. And what you hear widespread, proclaim it on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This comes at the tail end of Jesus' instruction to his disciples that there's wolves out there. These wolves are going to attack you. They're going to run your name through the mud. They're going to try to make a spectacle of you. And Jesus knows this is going to happen because it's already happening to him, and he knows what's coming for him at the end of his life. So he knows it's also going to happen to his disciples. And his encouragement to them is not that Jesus is going to stop every wolf. His encouragement to them is that at the time, at the time when it's right, the truth will be revealed. That's his encouragement. That these wolves who think they have power right now, they have no idea who they're up against. Or maybe the reason that the, these wolves are going to be so aggressive is they know exactly who they're up against. And that's why they're worried. That this really could be Jesus, the son of the living God. Something that Jesus knows full well is that the authority and power to give and take life comes from God alone. We see this idea all throughout the Bible in both the Old and the New Testament. We're probably pretty comfortable, right, with the idea that God can give life. We believe that God gives all life all the way from creation on to now. God speaks life into being. He breathes it even into the dust. But those passages also talk about how Jesus has the, or how God has the authority to take life as well maybe not an idea we're not as comfortable with. Jesus, too, is, is part of this. Since Jesus was with God in creation, Jesus, too, will be the one who's the one who conquers death. The power to give life and take life rests with the creator of the universe. And the end of, the end of, of this Scripture reading right here might sound scary to some people. It might even sound scary to people who are believers. But as we've been talking about on and off all throughout this year, the judgment of God is not something to be afraid of. It's something that's good. 
because his judgment is going to make things right. But if we aren't covered in the blood, if we don't have Jesus, if we don't have the son of the lamb that was slain, then judgment does sound a little scary. But I can promise you this, that any pain that comes from a life of slavery and sin, that pain is far worse and far scarier. And his judgment is, because his judgment is coming for that sin and that pain. The yoke of Jesus, he says, is easy, and it's certainly much lighter than the chains that we used to carry. But when the Creator comes to this earth, when Jesus is born in the flesh, people sort of get this idea twisted, because during Jesus' life, his opposition is trying to figure out, how do we push back against Jesus? How do we stop his teaching? What do they do? But they tried to take Jesus' life. But guess what? As you and I know, they had no authority to do that. They don't have power over life and death like our Creator does. So when Jesus hears these threats and he hears the things that the wolves are going to do and he's sending out his, his people into this world, there's nothing to fear because the one who holds the power is the shepherd. The wolves in the Bible and the wolves in our world today are so confused about who has that authority. And when they don't have what they want, when the wolves don't have what they want, they'll, they'll fight tooth and, tooth and nail to try to get it. And when that happens... Sheep, this is his encouragement. Have no fear of them, because what is covered, the mysteries of our Lord Jesus, will come to light, and the dark, hidden places of our hearts will be exposed. If God has the power to give life and to take life, the people and the spaces where God chooses to give life, to breathe new life, must be incredibly valuable to him that he would breathe new life into those places. Jesus continues in Matthew 10, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, for you are m more valuable than the sparrows. When I, I read a verse like this, I'm, I'm reminded of what God says, says to Job. In the story of Job, after he loses nearly everything that is meaningful to him, he says, he says, the Lord gave, and the Lord's taken away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Yet, as despair and the voices of his friends and family began to set in, in, in Job's mind, he, he, he begins to lament that he was even born. He says, why was I born at all if these things were going to happen to me? And most of the book of Job is a back and forth between Job and his friends and with God. And, and in all this conversation, it's as that Job does not sin by speaking out against God, but still Job can't understand why God would allow such horrible things to happen, why God would allow such suffering in his life. And one of God's last full statements to Job, God lists all of the ways that he formed and maintains an intimate relationship with his creation. Here are some of the things that God says in Job chapter 38. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? 
who determined its measurements. Surely you know who shut in the sea with the doors when it burst out from the from the womb when I made its clouds a garment? Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of the rain, a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where even no man is, on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy a waste and desolate land? And if God cares so much for the seasons and the waters and the sky and even the desert, Places. If God cares so much for those things, how much more does he care for his people who are his? And God continues in Job 38, his intimate knowledge of the world does not just stop with the land and the seasons. He says, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of, of the does? Who has let the wild donkey go free? He ranges the mountain as his pasture. Is the wild ox willing to serve you? Will he spend a night in your manger? And God goes on to acknowledge the, ho- the horse and the hawk and even the locusts, the tiny locusts. And if God has such care, if God has such intimate knowledge of these creeping things, How much more, then, does God care for his people? Once more from Matthew chapter 10, Are not two sparrows sold for just a penny? And not one of those sparrows will fall to the ground apart from your father. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. That's how much he intimately knows you. Fear not, therefore, for you are more valuable than the sparrows. If we are God's sheep and we are under the care of our shepherd and we are tended to, even though we might find ourselves among wolves, there is no reason to fear. So if God cares so much about his sheep, what does he ask his sheep to do? He continues one more time in Matthew chapter 10, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny to my Father who is in heaven. This is the task of the sheep. This is what Jesus is sending out his disciples to do, to declare that Jesus is Lord. Not just to declare that Jesus is a Lord, but Jesus is the only Lord. To declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it isn't just another good way among the many good ways that are out there to get to God. Jesus isn't just a spiritual helper. These are are things that we already know. He's not just a spiritual helper among all the spiritual options that people claim exist. No, the sheep are sent out to tell people that Jesus is the only way to get to God. And the other ways that are out there are empty. And the sheep are going to need courage and boldness and protection to tell other people that. This sheep imagery that he uses in Matthew 10, I think is just as applicable to Christians today as it was when he was sending out his disciples because we experience a lot of the same opposition. So if we are sheep, right, and we know that our shepherd has the authority and we know that we are valuable to the shepherd, we know these things, right? We're all nodding our heads. We know, we, we know that's true. 
why do we still struggle to see the light sometimes? Why do we still look at the, our future, maybe in our world or in the country, and we look out and we say, how could this ever get better? It's because we're sheep. And that's okay. I learned something interesting about sheep. Did you know that sheep have excellent eyesight? Did you know that? I'm not a shepherd, but I learned that sheep have excellent vision in almost every direction, except they have one very, very unfortunate blind spot. The way that sheep's eyes are situated on their heads, kind of over here to the side, they're really good at seeing what's beside them. And they can also glance backwards, and they're really great at seeing the things that are behind them. Most sheep can, without tilting their heads at all, can see what's immediately behind their, uh, their, their little fluff tail. But guess where the sheep's blind spot is? Seeing what's exactly in front of them. They have an incredibly wide field of vision, and sheep are even pretty smart. Sheep aren't dumb. But they struggle to see things that are directly in front of them. Does that sound like anybody you know? Yes, it does. Because we're just sheep. We struggle to avoid obstacles in our own life, even when sometimes they are so obvious. We can be really good at looking beside us, judging the people who we see, and say, at least we're not doing that. Where sheep thrive, though, they are really smart, but where sheep thrive, even though they can't see what's in front of them, is they thrive in a flock where they can see other sheep who they know. And when they see other sheep that they know, they can see what they're doing, and they can do the same thing. And when they see that one sheep is running away from danger, well, that sheep, even though he didn't see the danger, he's going to run away from the danger too. And, one, and when one sheep sees the signal of the shepherd, all the sheep will follow, just because one sheep saw the shepherd's signal. We're just sheep. And we cannot forget how much we need a shepherd. When we stop relying on our shepherd and we think that we can find our way out there, that's when we get lost. So why does this matter to us? Why, why are we preaching about sheep and, and wolves this month? The wolves are trying to cover up the truth. They're trying to say that there are other ways out there other than Jesus. But do not forget, just like Jesus said in Matthew 10, that the truth will come to light. And while we await for the kingdom of God, we are declaring two things. There are two things that we must be doing as sheep in our lives. The first thing we have to do is we have to remain in the flock. The reason that sheep typically end up alone is because they're thinking that they can find their way back or maybe they were afraid and they ran away on their own. If we aren't a part of a flock, if we don't have other people who we are walking to Christ with, then we cannot be surprised when we find ourselves afraid, anxious, at risk, because we will be lost. 
We have to surround ourselves with brothers and sisters so that we can see them, so we can be encouraged by them as we're all trying to walk to our Father. The second thing that we as sheep must do is just got to keep walking to the shepherd. The wolves are out there, but they do not have the authority that they say they do. And they don't have the authority that sometimes we think they do. Jesus says, do not be afraid of them. And he means it. As a church, if we can remain in the word of God, if we can remain in the truth, then when the truth comes to light, and it will, we will certainly be together again with our Father in heaven. Until then, we go out as sheep among the wolves. But that's okay. Do not be afraid. Because the things that Jesus has told us will soon be revealed. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you need Jesus in every possible sense. I don't want you to turn to Jesus just because you're afraid of what's out there. Okay, I take that back. I do want you to turn to Jesus, whatever it takes. But I don't want you to be under the impression that the only reason you need Jesus is because you don't want to go to hell. A life with Jesus is far greater than a life without because a life with Jesus is the only way that you can ever be alive. You need Jesus. And if you are a Christian and you have been baptized, you still need Jesus. At no point do we become more advanced sheep where we don't need our flock and when we don't need our shepherd. We can never stop running to him. If you need encouragement from this flock, please ask for it. If you've been running off on your own, maybe even out of being afraid, please turn back. Not just because there are wolves out there who want the worst for you, but because you need to be with your shepherd. If you need the prayers of your fellow sheep, please stop neglecting to ask for it. There is absolutely no shame in admitting that you are a wounded sheep who needs the mighty arm of our shepherd. If you have any need, whether it's here in person or it's on Facebook, please make